The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. They go three wide. He looks left towards Oliver Martin. Scotty, touchdown, Hawkeyes. Welcome to Iowa, Oliver Martin, the transfer from Michigan. They found out just this week he was eligible, and he scores for the Hawkeyes. Seven plays, 82 yards for the Hawkeyes, and the lead is now 10 for the Hawks. Thanks to their new receiver, Oliver Martin. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who reflects on the Hawks' season-opening win over Miami, and he previews this week's Iowa Rutgers game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Rutgers' Chris Ash. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Bonenkamp. The Iowa-Miami game highlights are courtesy of FS1 with announcers Brian Custer and Robert Smith. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes, first and goal. Brandon Smith at the top of your screen. They're going to the fade. Smith, touchdown. Second time's the charm, Robert Smith. And guess who he beat? <laughs> Danny Ragumba. Hawkeyes. Retake the lead, 10-7. Brandon Smith, he was a state champion high jumper in high school. Comes up with a touchdown. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes open the 2019 Big Ten season this Saturday, hosting the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at Kinnick Stadium for the first time in history. Both teams come into this game on the heels of season-opening wins at home last Saturday, Iowa 38-14 over Miami, Ohio, and Rutgers 48-21 over UMass. The Hawkeyes have won five of its last six Big Ten openers and are ranked 20th in the AP poll and 19th in the coaches' poll, the Scarlet Knights are not ranked. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 21st season as the Hawkeyes head man with a record of 153 and 101. He is the Hawks' winningest football coach in history, and he's the dean of college football coaches. Iowa native Chris Ash, who grew up in Ottumwa as a Hawkeyes fan, is in his fourth season as Rutgers head coach with a record of 8-29. and 29. He's just 3-24 and 24 in Big Ten play. Iowa and Rutgers have only only played once before. That was in 2016 when the Hawks won 14-7 in New Jersey. In game notes, Iowa starting quarterback Nate Stanley threw three more TD passes last weekend. He now has a career total of 55. That's fourth all-time in program history. When he throws two more, he will surpass Rick Stanzi for third. Stanley has now improved to 18-9 as the starting signal caller and 11-4 in games played in Kinnick 
Stadium. Stanley completed passes last weekend to 10 different receivers. Running back Mackay Sargent had 156 all-purpose yards last weekend. He was Iowa's leading rusher with 91 and also the Hawks' leading receiver with 65. After starting right tackle, Alaric Jackson went down with an injury last Saturday. The Hawkeyes shuffled their offensive line and nine different players saw action acquitting themselves nicely. Iowa gained 213 yards rushing and allowed only one sack. Jackson is expected to miss at least two weeks, so it's next man in for the Hawkeyes for the time being. Defensively, the Hawkeyes led the Big Ten and were tied for second in the nation last season with 20 interceptions. Iowa got its first pick this season against the Red Hawks. Michael Ojemudia made that play in the fourth quarter. He returned it 14 yards. Tidbits and nuggets. This is the earliest Big Ten opener for the Hawkeyes, something that Kirk Ferentz is not overly fond of, and it has significant implications for both teams. It's also the first conference game played this season. This game will be televised for the second straight week on FS1, this time with announcers Justin Kutcher, Petros Papadakis, and Shane Vereen. The game will be broadcast as usual on the Hawkeye Radio Network and KRUI with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be available on Satellite Radio, XM Channel 196, and Sirius Channel 119. The honorary captain this week is former Iowa defensive back and assistant coach Tom Hayes. This game will mark the fourth time in the past five seasons that Rutgers has started Big Ten play on the road, and as I mentioned earlier, it's the first game it will play at Kinnick Stadium, and that will leave just two other Big Ten venues the Scarlet Knights have never visited, Northwestern and Purdue. This season, Rutgers is celebrating the 150th anniversary of the first college game ever played, 1869, when it battled its neighbor Princeton, gaining a 6-4 victory in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And finally this week, the Rutgers roster features three players from Sweden, pretty sure that's unique, in college football. Hey, I guess they're right. Senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. This is first and goal. Eye formation, jumbo package. Sergeant, the carry, left side, touchdown, Hawkeyes. 20 unanswered points now by the Hawkeyes. Three plays, 56 yards. They do it in a buck 35. And Makai Sargent finishes it off. Iowa, 17-point lead. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who provides his overall assessment of this year's Rutgers team. You know, I want to know. They played uh, played a good game the other night, started a little bit slow, but they uh, really got going and did a really good job. So um, they're a 1-0 football team just like we are. Um, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing right now, it's the first time we've hosted them, as far as I know, and uh, earliest Big Ten game we've played in the last 20 years. So it's going to be a little bit different. And the biggest thing is they're playing playing well right now. Uh, and I think, you know, if you look back last year, they, they really finished strong. They played uh, four, four of their five opponents at the end of the season. All five of the last opponents were really good football teams. And uh, four of those games, really, uh, they played very, very well. So they clearly made progress last year. I think that carried over into this season. And now as you look at their football team, uh, 
they're a little bit different uh, in some regards with a new quarterback you know, transfer that played uh, played a good game the other night, threw the ball over the place and you know threw the ball really well. Uh, they've got two skilled uh, running backs that uh, I think are as good as anybody's got in the conference. Both those guys are really dangerous players. And they've got uh, good skill guys outside as well. Uh, play a 34 front, so that's going to be an adjustment for us. We don't see a lot of that, so that's going to be a, a big thing for us this week. And then all of their specialists are back, and they're, they're good special teams outfit, and they have been for quite some time. So, you know, we got our, our hands full in that regard as well. Ference was asked about playing the Big Ten opener in game two of the season. Yeah, it is different. And, uh, they're significant. Anytime you're in a conference, uh, it's a significant thing. You only get nine of those. You get 12, uh, 12 games total, but nine conference games. So that, that's really important. You know, it's kind of like, to me, the month of September especially is just about really focusing on trying to improve and pull things together, tie, tie up the loose ends, those types of things. So you know, I'm, I'm sure they're fighting the same battle, though. It's their second game as well. So it's, it's even footing for both teams. And it's a significant game. Every game's significant. And that's, you know, we're just racing against time. That's really what we're doing. I'm sure they're trying to do the same thing. I'd rather play, you know, our, our non-league games than them to me, me personally. But nobody asked for my opinion, so I'm not waiting for him either. So, uh, but you know, it's just the way it is. So we'll play him. Kirk was asked about the mistakes his team made against Miami and whether they were your typical first game errors. Yeah, especially defensively. You know, if you look at their two scoring drives, we gave up a couple of big plays and I think three in the two drives. So, and some of that goes back to communication, just better understanding of what technique we need to be playing. So it's it's uh, it's not good that it happened, but there's a positive if we'll learn from it, I guess, is the best way to say it. Hopefully we'll do that so we don't get, get caught in some of those situations that are hard to defend and you end up giving more yardage up than you want to. And you know, like any team, you want to make the, the, their, your opponent work a little bit if, if you're playing defense. And you know, we, we gave up a couple easy plays that you know, aren't going to be uh, good for us if we keep keep doing that. And Kirk Ferentz talks about his senior defensive back, Michael Ojemudia, who had Iowa's first pick of the season against the Red Hawks last week. It's all out there for him right now. This is his senior year. You hope guys play their best uh, every, every year of the career and certainly their senior years. And I, I think uh, I'm probably going to violate the Buckley Amendment here, but uh, you know, I think I've told the pro guys, I said the most impressive thing I think about his whole career, uh, his dad's an engineer. He was determined and is determined to be an engineer, uh, graduated as an engineer from Iowa. And, uh, you know, he, he had a rough go initially. I mean, he got beat up pretty good in that classroom. Uh, it's tough to do both. You know, it's not for everybody, certainly. And uh, what he was going through, I wasn't sure he was going to stick with that, quite frankly, but he did. He was determined, and he's he's going to be just fine. He will be an, an engineer graduate, and we, we job placement, I think it's about 98.9% or 99.8%, I guess. I got my numbers backwards. So, you know, he's, he's going to be gamefully employed whenever he's done playing football, and that's great. But to me, I think that, that probably spoke to, you know, what he's all about as much as anything he's done on the football field, but he's done a lot of good things on the football field, too, and uh, it was great to get a, a turnover the other night, and it was great to see him get that pick. That was really good and even better we converted into points that was that was good football there visit hawkeyesmike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on iowa games tv channels team schedules and more you can subscribe to all hawkeyes mike podcasts through itunes and you can follow hawkeyes mike on medium and twitter
Next, we hear from Rutgers head coach Chris Ash, who talks about the 2019 version of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa's a very, very uh, tough opponent. They're going to go on the road, uh, which is always a challenge, but you're going to go on a road in a very tough environment. It's one of the best uh, environments in our league and, and one of the best in college football. It's going to be 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, that uh, provides another challenge. So a lot of things that we have to try to get ready for. It'll be a different uh, routine for us. A lot of these players have not traveled before with us, so it's going to be new to see them uh, be able to handle that situation. But uh, we've got to get a great week put together. We're healthy. Uh, we're 1-0, and uh, we have a better feel uh, where our team is at right now. Ash has said several times that he wants to model his Rutgers program after Iowa's, and he was asked if he still feels that way. Iowa's, uh, um, you know, they've been the model of consistency for years. Uh, Kirk's done an unbelievable job. I've got nothing but uh, the utmost respect for him as a person and, and him as a coach and what he's done with the staff and the program. Um, they, they try to do things first class uh, in everything that they do. Uh, they coach uh, ex- exceptionally well. They develop guys. Uh, they recruit guys that, like you mentioned, fit their culture, fit their program that they can develop. You know, they're not worried about headlines and, and stars. They're worried about fits and, and the ability to develop. And it's been a pretty consistent uh, and successful formula. Ash was asked what his biggest concerns are about facing the Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium. Well, whenever you play Iowa, it all starts up front um, on the O-line and D-line. Um, that's where they're always strong. That's where they're consistently good. And, you know, it's going to be a battle at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, if you're not ready for that battle, it can get ugly in a hurry uh, when you play a team like this. So that's where it begins and ends. You know, they've got experience uh, uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, watching their game uh, Saturday night against Miami, Ohio, I mean, they're good up front on, on, on both sides. And um, they just don't beat themselves. You know, so we got to be ready to battle at the line of scrimmage. And you're going to play a team that doesn't t- typically beat itself. And Chris Ash gives his assessment of Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley. Yeah, I don't know about the rating him um, or anything like that. I, I see a good player. I see a, a big, strong, experienced player. He's got a strong arm, um, understands their offense, runs their offense uh, with efficiency, can make a lot of throws, plays with confidence. You know, he's a good player. Uh, really impressed with what I see on film. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. Marset underneath 
on the little screen play. Get the lineman out in front. Easy touchdown. Hawkeyes, five TDs by five different players. Time now for our Reporter's Notebook feature this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve reflects on the opening win over Miami, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game, Iowa-Rutgers in the Big Ten Conference opener. Plus, we talk some Big Ten. We welcome back Steve Batterson for the first time in the 2019 season. We're going to preview the Iowa Rutgers game, talk a little Big Ten. First, let's just reflect on Iowa's opening win last week over Miami. Sluggish first half, dominant both offensively and defensively. In the second half, it's the sixth straight win in season openers for the Hawkeyes. It was a lot of what you would expect in an opening game with uh, a lot of new faces kind of fitting into new roles and and, and that type of thing. And uh, yeah, I Iowa did get off to a bit of a slow start and, and seemed to pick up some steam as the game went along. And I, I think you know, what we saw were, were guys kind of settling into roles. And, you know, despite the uh, the injury that uh, that knocked Alaric Jackson out of the game uh, and led to quite a bit of rotation uh, on the offensive line, I was able to kind of settle down and play some Iowa football in the second half and, and handle the team that it should have handled by about the score that, you know, probably was uh, what most people expected heading into that game. You know, I Certainly, you know, I think when you, you you take a look at what Iowa wanted to accomplish, they were able to get some things going on the ground. I think that was, uh, you know, that was right from the get-go where, where they wanted to start. And, you know, 5.2 yards of carry, that's going to win you a lot of football games, and especially when the defense is holding the opponent to 2.4 yards per carry. So th- those are two really good numbers for Iowa. And, if, you know, if they can maintain anything close to that during the course of the season, it's going to be a, a fine season. That's also the ninth straight win in non-conference games for the Hawkeyes. Turning now to this Saturday's game, the earliest Big Ten opener in Iowa football history. Rutgers comes to Kinnick Stadium. It's only the second game in the series, in the history of the series between these two teams. Both teams are 1-0. The Hawks, of course, defeating Miami. Rutgers topped UMass 48-21. And it's a team coached by Chris Ash, who grew up in Ottumwa, an Iowa fan of some of the Hayden Fry teams, did his undergrad work at Drake and graduate degree from Iowa State. Let's uh, start right off with Iowa's offense matching up against Rutgers' defense. The Iowa offense, again, as we talked about a moment ago, was uh, relatively sluggish in the first half, but really uncorked in the second. It looks like the wide receivers have the potential to be everything many people thought they might be this season. Great game out of Makai Sargent. Nate Stanley continues to climb Iowa's record charts. He got off to a terrific start, completing 70% of his passes, and, you know, I think the big takeaway from last week is just how much depth that Iowa has on offense and, and uh, how many possibilities are there if they can keep guys healthy and, and use that depth uh, to their advantage. You know, and I think that's going to be, at least for the first few weeks until guys settle into roles, I think there will be some experimentation. We saw Nate complete passes to, to 10 different uh, uh, receivers last week, including a couple of running backs and, and uh, throw to Brady Ross out of the fullback position. And, you know, the tight 
tight ends, uh, you know, Sean Byer caught a couple balls as well. So, you know, the the Hawkeyes were able to, to spread things around a little bit in the past game. Uh, the run game proved to be equally deep, uh, not only with Makai Sargent and Torn Young doing their thing, but, uh, you know, certainly Tyler Goodson stepped in a, as a true freshman and carried the ball nine times later in the game. And, uh, you know, he, he is going to be a, a part of this uh, rotation along with Ivory Kelly Martin, who didn't touch the ball last week, but uh, Kirk Ferentz alluded to on, on Tuesday that uh, he certainly is still in the mix, and 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 uh, it's a situation where they feel like they're going to need a lot of bodies, and at this point in time, the idea is to get a lot of bodies onto the field. So you know, it's it's an interesting situation. It's something that Iowa hasn't had for a couple of years, but uh, uh, you know, the better balance uh, uh, and and the more off guard you can keep an opposing defense, the better off an offense can be. And you know, certainly a promising start in that direction the other day. Uh, you know, Rutgers will present a little bit of a different challenge. Uh, they're a three-four front team, which uh, um, you know will probably be good for Iowa to face at this point in the season. Um, it's a defense that, uh, you know, they they will likely see when they get to Iowa State a week from now, and it's a defense that Wisconsin will test them with a little later in the season as well. So, you know, it's an adjustment. Uh, it'll be something different for them this week, and, and certainly, uh, you know, at this time of year, it's what you want. You want to be tested in different ways, and um, you know, I think Rutgers, they certainly haven't rewritten any defensive record books the last couple of seasons, at least not on a positive note, but uh, uh, it's a type of a situation where I think, uh, you know, Iowa should be able to to physically you know, set the tone uh, for this game up front, and, and it's uh, the type of, of matchup that uh, should be very, fairly favorable at home, and, and uh, uh, I would expect another pretty proficient day on the offensive side of the ball for the Hawkeyes. Makai Sargent had 156 all-purpose yards. He was not only Iowa's leading rusher with the 91 yards on the ground, and he could have probably easily surpassed 100, but they didn't play him towards the end of the game. But he was also the Hawkeyes' leading receiver, 65 yards. Another nice story, Oliver Martin didn't find out he was eligible until midweek last week, and he caught his first pass as a Hawkeye, which was a nine-yard touchdown to start the second half. Certainly, Sargent's work uh, as a receiver uh, is an added bonus. Uh, it's a sign of development and growth, and I think that uh, you know Makai is positioned to have a to have a really good season and be a, a focal point of, of this offense. And there's no question that Oliver Martin brings something a little extra to the Iowa passing attack. And his ability not only in to, you know to to break something long, but to to do some things in short traffic kind of areas with his quickness. Um, I, I think Iowa coaches are intrigued by the possibilities there. And you know, and he's certainly he, he's a player that will create some issues for for opposing defenses because of his his versatility. And I, I think that. Uh, Again, the more that uh, you know, the more you can you can mess with the defense and, and have them kind of guessing what might be coming next. The better off an offense can be. Jackson's injury resulted in all of that juggling of the offensive line. Nine offensive linemen saw action for Iowa. Some kind of neat stories coming out of that. But the line as a whole really didn't surrender a sack. Technically, it did because Nate Stanley's intentional grounding penalty is treated as a sack in the stats. But it opened gigantic calls against the Miami defense, the rushing for 213 yards. A great game by center Tyler Linderbaum, who was in beast mode much of, of that day. And a really neat story with the uh, emergence of Kyler Schott, who now gets the starting spot at right guard this weekend. Well, he certainly appears positioned for that. Yeah, uh, Cole Banwart uh, 
trying to work his way back from an injury as well. But with Jackson out, uh, Iowa need you know that next man in. And you know, in this instance, it, it's Kyler Shot, a kid from uh, from North Lynn, not too far from Iowa City. He he's uh, he talked the other day about uh, how he enjoyed sitting in the stands and watching games at Kinnick Stadium growing up, and and then all of a sudden last Saturday he finds himself out on the field and you know prefer walk on. Harice Morgan find uh, you know great pedigree uh, in terms of a wrestling background where Iowa has uh, uncovered a number of these type of kids who are who are you know willing to come out work hard uh, they know the value of hard work and and uh, he impressed coaches with the consistency in his performance in, in fall camp and that positioned him into that second team slot last week and and when Alaric went down they had to move Levi Paulson over to uh, the the tackle spot and and that was one of those situations where the next man in stepped up and and you know made a difference uh, Iowa was planning on rotating a lot of offensive linemen in that game anyway and uh, it, it happened maybe a little earlier than they would have anticipated but uh, really uh, Tristan Worth stepped up had what uh, Kirk Ferentz labeled his best game the Paulsons played as well uh, as they ever have and, and certainly Kyler Schott made a name for himself and, and pr- presented himself with an opportunity to be another one of those great Iowa stories that have been kind of uh, part of the tradition uh, of Hawkeye football for a long time. Back to the Rutgers defense you mentioned the fact they run a 3-4 and the Hawkeyes have struggled from time to time against those defenses. They gave up 304 yards versus UMass. They employ what they call a rugby style tackling technique. Yeah, that, that's a style that uh, is gaining in popularity. Uh, it, it comes uh, comes from uh, the, uh, you know, it's it's a, uh, a different style of tackling. Uh, more of a, uh, Nebraska used it for a couple of years as well when uh, Riley was over there, and, and part of it is is designed. Uh, it's more of a safety thing, uh, player safety thing, and uh, it's uh, something that uh, Chris uh, Ash believes in. Um, his defensive line coach is a former Hawkeye, Corey Brown, who was on Kirk's first team in, in 1999 at Iowa, and uh, uh, he graduated from Iowa in 2005. And he, he's a he's a guy that uh, is helping uh, turn around a, uh, or attempting to turn around a defense that uh, that has been uh, uh, pretty porous over the past few years, but uh, uh, they certainly, uh, they're making a few strides, and, and uh, uh, they gave up some yards in the first quarter against Massachusetts, falling behind 21-7 to before uh, before their offense kind of got things going and, and rolled off 41 straight, but the, the, the defense is an area where, uh, you know, the, there is some talent. I mean, they've got a couple of, of, of linebackers back, uh, Tyson uh, Fogg and, and Tyreek Maddox-Williams are, are a couple of guys who are who are veterans that uh, have been through the wars for a couple of years, and there, there are a couple of uh, transfers kind of waiting in the wings there that uh, haven't moved into the lineup yet, but uh, uh, certainly uh, add something to the mix. They did improve quite a bit last year in uh, 2018 in terms of the amount of passing yards they surrendered, uh, giving up an average of nearly 187 per game, but that was a 30-yard improvement over 2017, and UMass only had 121 passing yards, so, uh, you know, 
Well, that could be an interesting thing to keep an eye on Saturday there with Iowa's plethora of wide receivers and their seeming ability to get open more than maybe ever, certainly in the last few years, against that improved Rutgers passing D. Certainly. One of those games within the game that, uh, you know, we'll bear watching. Uh, uh, they've been a fairly aggressive kind of gambling kind of defense at times in the past. That's led to some, some you know, success in terms of tackles for a loss. And uh, that'll put a little pressure on the Iowa offensive line. And, and I think that's probably a good thing early in the season as well to test those guys. So who has the edge here, Iowa's offense or Rutgers' defense? I think Iowa's offense is probably a, l- a little better prepared at this point in time to, to compete and, and uh, have success on that end of the field. Okay, let's turn over now, look at Iowa's defense against the Rutgers offense. Iowa, on Saturday's game, employed very little of the cash position hybrid D. Kirk said that was mainly due to Miami playing a tight end on mo- most downs. So it was a matchup issue. On a real plus, they held Miami to just 59 rush yards. Yeah, um, you know, I, th- I thought defensively, I thought Iowa got off to uh, you know, a fairly solid start. There were, there were some, uh, when you take a look at it, the uh, guys up front uh, for first-time starters, um, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, those guys held their own for the most part. Uh, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time chasing opposing quarterbacks. I only had one sack, and, and Imani Jones uh, may still be celebrating it, but uh, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, you know, we'll see a more aggressive Iowa defense as time as time progresses and guys settle into to roles, but I think that, uh, you know, the one thing I think that Iowa was able to take from that in terms of being able to stop opposing runs. They, they did plug the gaps pretty well, and I think that that's uh, certainly where this Iowa defense will try to try to start. They, they faced an, an interesting challenge in the freshman quarterback. They didn't really know a lot about heading into the game, and a couple of players alluded to on Tuesday that uh, Miami threw some things at them that maybe they weren't expecting based on you know what they knew about Miami from, from a year ago, and uh, it, it took them just some time to kind of settle down, and uh, but you know, what we saw in the second half was a defense that made some progress and, and uh, certainly, you know, being able to kind of extend that progress progress uh, another week into the season, I think, will be pretty important. One of the more interesting angles coming out of that game was the play of uh, A.J. Epinesa. It wasn't so much his play. He, he was limited to just one tackle. He was pretty much double teamed all day, but that was something that was noticeable to most every observer. Yeah, and I think, you know, he as he alluded to post-game, it's something he may have to get used to and and you know when when you are a marquee player a preseason all-american or a returning all big 10 player you're going to get added attention from from the guys across the line and you know all of a sudden people are going to be scheming uh you know to deal with you but uh, um that does open some things uh, you know elsewhere you know in theory it should help chauncey goldston make some plays it it should help guys who uh, who are you know on the on the opposite side in particular uh be able to uh, to uh, thrive, and uh, uh, you know AJ is going to have to deal with that. Uh, there's a mental component to that as much as there is a physical one, and he's going to have to work to find ways to to make you know the type of of uh, impact that we've seen from him over the over the last couple of years it may just not come as easily as, as it has in the past in terms of the defensive secondary i'm sure the 186 passing yards that the hawkeyes gave up didn't please phil parker but iowa did continue its streak of picks at michael ojamudia got one in a 14 yard return and the hawkeyes come off of last season as one of the leading pick teams in the nation yeah i, I think it was uh you know uh 
a learning experience for a lot of guys back there uh, with, uh, um, you know, Kayvon Merriweather stepping into the free safety spot. Uh, um, I think that uh, he alluded to on, on Tuesday as well that uh, uh, the first half was pretty rough and, and uh, uh, there were some communication issues. And the good news about communication issues is, is that you can usually work through them. There's a way to figure those things out. And, and uh, if they're able to uh, to grow, and, and uh, which he felt like they did in the second half, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, there's, uh, you know, it's it's week one. There, there's work to be done. And, and uh, um, with uh, with Riley Moss leaving the game with a, with an injury at cornerback and, and Julius Brent being out, I was a little thin on the back end in terms of experience. And I, I think that uh, maybe Miami did them a favor by by hanging, uh, hanging with the tight end and, and uh, uh, allowing Iowa to kind of continue to play maybe its traditional 4-3 base and, you know, use D.J. Johnson more as a quarterback than at the cash spot. So it's, um, you know, the defense is a work in progress. That's not unusual for an opening game. But, uh, you know, I think the big the big takeaway for the Hawkeyes on, on Saturday was that uh, there's some potential there. There's some issues that they need to work through. Uh, Merriweather said that he needs to be more vocal in terms of volume in front of a crowd. He figured that out during the course of the game. I'm sure he had a little encouragement from Phil Parker on the sideline as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- those are the things that you, you find out in game one and you hope for growth in, in, in game two. And, um, you know, that'll be the objective this week. Rutgers offense also started a little slow against UMass in their first game, but boy, they put their foot on the pedal and never stopped afterwards. Racked up 554 yards of total offense 206 on the ground with four rushing TDs, 348 through the air, two passing TDs. Their quarterback is a transfer from Texas Tech, McLean Carter. He beat out last year's starter. But while his stats overall were good there, 21 of 31, two TDs, he threw three picks. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, he's a kid that stepped in from Texas Tech. He, he had started two games there a year ago, including their game against Texas. So, you know, he's got an arm and he certainly is uh, fairly well respected. But uh, you know, uh, the the previous quarterback um, Archer uh, Sikowski, um was kind of a turnover a turnover machine at times last year, and and uh, you know I think that's uh, uh, one of the reasons that uh, that McLean Carter was able to kind of step into the role that uh, that he stepped into as a as a transfer. They've got a a UCLA transfer at, at tight end as well uh, in their lineup, and it's kind of a remade team, and and uh, he has an arm he has a tendency to uh you know to uh, put some put some yards on the board that's been his rep and, and coming certainly coming out of texas tech he's he's being counted on to kind of re-energize an offense that's been pretty stagnant over the past couple of years they've got some speedy wide receivers but they have two very good veteran dangerous returning running backs raheem blackshire is listed as the starter but he's a really good receiver last week he had 126 yards in receptions and a passing touchdown but the running back star for the Scarlet Knights last week, a kid named Isaiah Pacheco, had a terrific game. 156 yards, 7.8 average, four touchdowns. Yeah, you're talking about a junior and a sophomore. There's some kids that have had a little experience. They were Rutgers as the top rushers a year ago. Neither of them, you know, accumulated a ton of yards, but both got over the 500-yard mark for that offense. And uh, They're two of the more, you know, explosive kind of playmakers in the Big Ten. Uh, Blackshear is a, a, a kid that uh, kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy. He's a return guy as well. Um, he certainly uh, uh, 
you know, he's a threat, and, and he, he's caught the attention of, of a number of Iowa players uh, who were, you know, talking about number one, which is and number two uh, all day on Tuesday, and, and that's Pacheco and Blackshear. And uh, those two guys are uh, capable of, of busting some big plays, and they'll put some pressure on the Iowa defense, uh, just like the Iowa defense hopes to put some pressure on, you know, on Carter, the, the quarterback. But, you know, Pacheco is a, a guy who, who Kirk Ferentz said yes on Tuesday uh, that. Uh, that he runs like he's mad at someone. Uh, very physical runner, uh, hard-nosed, hard edge to his game, and and uh, whereas Blackshear is more of a uh, of your uh, you know your prototypical outside guy with a lot of, of speed and ability who can either run it or or, or catch it and, and run. And uh, you know the, their ability to to use both of those guys with a with a quarterback who can deliver it a little better than than what they were at that position last season. Uh, it certainly gives them an opportunity to kind of take a, an offense and, and, and grow it from, from where it was. And, you know, with, with Chris Ash being in his fourth season and, and uh, having only eight wins on his resume during that time since arriving at Rutgers, this is a pretty important year for him to figure out a way to win some football games. Uh, you know, he, he's got an, an old Iowa assistant on his staff as well, Lester Herb, who was a 13-year member of Kirk Ferentz's staff. is uh, um, coaching receivers at, uh, at Rutgers. It was a role that he held for time at Iowa as well and uh, uh, you know they certainly will benefit from his experience. Their offensive line has a really good veteran center Michael Mayetti but if you're Iowa's defensive line you got to be licking your chops over that uh, starting left tackle who's a true freshman. Yeah absolutely you know that that's one of the things when when you're trying to rebuild sometimes you're you're, you're in a position where your best player might be a newbie and you know that's that's kind of where records is that right now and it's uh you know it's been an issue uh over the past and if you take a look at kind of where where they're at and where they hope to head you know they need you know they need some some growth up front and uh you know they've got bodies um they they don't necessarily have a ton of experience at this point in some positions and and yeah that left tackle could be in for a long day on on saturday again i think you probably have to look at at the Iowa defense in this situation. They're going to have to play better pass defense than what they did the other day. And if the secondary can, can take a step up, I think that uh, Iowa certainly probably has the edge on that side of the ball as well. Not much to say really about special teams. Uh, Rutgers has a good place kicker. But in, from the Iowa perspective, no big news is good news, really. The, there was only one punt that Michael Sleep Dalton had as the new starter there in that position. Duncan d- hit every PA and a field goal, and um, and I guess that's the way you want to start. Yeah, you know, Sleep Dalton's punt was 31 yards, which is certainly not exactly what Iowa fans were hoping for. We've seen a few of those over the last couple of years, but uh, you you take a look at at uh, at what the his replacement at Arizona State did last weekend, and when when he averaged 62 yards per punt on five punts, you can see why Michael Sleep Dalton was looking for another place to play this year but you know it's a part of the game that will grow over time and as he gets more opportunities we'll we'll learn more about him but uh yeah there, there really weren't a lot of return opportunities or, or really uh, uh punting opportunities uh, as well in that game but uh, you know keep duncan his first competition since 2016 in the outside ball good opportunity for him to get out there you know the field goal was from 21 yards so nothing necessarily to write home about but it did go through and as he quick to point out in the post 
post game, he missed his last try in Tampa in the Outback Bowl in 2016. So he, he said it was good to kind of get that off the uh, off the ledger at that point too. And you know, and, and again, the first game, and that's what you that's what you want to see. You want to see some consistency, and 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 he, he did everything he was asked to do. Now, Sleep Dalton's stats at Arizona were pretty good, so that let's hope that's an aberration if you're an Iowa fan. I I thought that um, you know it was noticeable that most of the kickoffs from Shudak, Caleb Shudak, were not touchbacks. Most of them were returnable. So guessing that's of some concern. I, I would I would think so. Um, you know he he did a, uh, you know, I think that's probably something that will be a, a thing that will be watched fairly closely over the next couple of weeks, but it's been made pretty clear that he is the guy on kickoffs, and he averaged 63.9 uh, on on the seven kicks that he had the other day, so, you know, he's, he's getting it back there, and yeah, certainly uh, getting it into the end zone is something that, uh, you know, they'll be looking at uh, on, a, on a more frequent basis, and, and, you know, he was able to knock five in there the other day, so it's uh, it's a it's a start, and again, uh, you're talking about a kid in his first first real college action. So those are areas where Iowa had certainly room for growth heading into this season, and and, and question marks in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly replacing Miguel Racinos, who was you know terrific over the past couple of years, and uh, and uh, the the uh, you know the the, the level uh, uh, you know the first game is is out there. Hey, the foundation is laid, and you try to build off of it. Before we get your prediction, let's take a quick look at the. Big Ten surprises from last week. Minnesota's dinghy spring a leak, and they had to scramble at home against South Dakota State. Probably the biggest upset was Nevada coming back and beating Purdue. When you're an Iowa fan, you're looking at those other Big Ten West teams, and so that's not the best start for Purdue. Stanford beat Northwestern out on the West Coast. That's always a tough place to play. Uh, When you're talking this week, besides Rutgers at Iowa, not a lot of really interesting games. Syracuse at Maryland, maybe. Nebraska at Colorado. Colorado seems to be improved. This will be an interesting test, maybe, in the higher altitude for the Cornhuskers. And maybe a potential upset, Minnesota at Fresno State. Yeah, certainly. I think that's one to keep an eye on as well. Um, Army, Michigan is a, is a little intriguing just from, from a style standpoint. Um, I, I think the Wolverines will be uh, tested as much as, as they will in the nine conference and, uh, until uh, facing Notre Dame later on in the season. But uh, they it's uh, you know certainly uh, uh, you know that time of the year where where strange things can happen and and uh, um, you know we saw a couple of really only a couple of teams look very sharp for the opener thought that uh, and speaking of Western Division teams but uh, certainly Wisconsin going to South Florida and in the uh, traditional heat and humidity there was uh, and shutting out uh, you know a team that uh, traditionally has given some Big Ten teams problems in that scenario uh, was a good start. For, for the Badgers and, and Illinois' defense looked much improved over over past years again against the Akron team that uh, you know that in past seasons would have given Lovey's team some some problems and and uh, so you know I I think those two teams certainly come out of Week One feeling uh, feeling maybe a half step ahead of the game at this point and and you move forward to Week Two and see what challenges might crop up uh, I don't think anybody thinks they've got this thing all figured out yet but uh, certainly uh, you know it will be interesting to kind of 
watch how things play out from from here uh, throughout the weekend. Two Big Ten teams last week scored 79 points each. Woody Hayes is not happy. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, hey, I'm sure uh, he wouldn't be, but uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, coaches do that for find themselves in those situations for a variety of reasons. And, you know, I think if you're Penn State, you're putting 79 on the board because you've got a lot of questions on offense and, and you want those guys to gain some confidence because certainly there will be more challenging games uh, down the road. And, and if you're in a situation where you're Maryland and you're Mike Loxley and you're, you're coaching in your first game uh, as, as the full-time guy, you, you want to send a message too that the program, even though you're playing a Howard team that is, uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, it's an FCS program and, and somebody you should handle, but uh, uh, you're trying to send a message there as well to, to your kids that uh, this is what we're about. And, and uh, you know, it was a quality start for them as well. Okay, back to Iowa, Rutgers, Big Ten opener for both teams. It's a big game in that respect for both teams to get off on the right foot. What's your prediction here? Yeah, yeah it really is. I mean, one of those things that uh, you, you can't afford to stumble this early. And if you think back to a year ago, Northwestern and Purdue opened against each other. And, you know, it was a situation where uh, um, I was going to need to come out ready to go. They're going to need to be uh, in a situation where uh, uh, they're ready to produce as, as they did last weekend. You know, I, I would suspect that, uh, you know, the, the final score of this game is probably going to be somewhere in the ballpark of what we saw a week ago. I think uh, I think Iowa can put some points on, on the board against this defense. I think that, uh, you know, you're probably looking somewhere in the, in the range of 35 to, to maybe 21, uh, 17, somewhere in there, 35, 17. We'll go with that, I guess. And, uh, you know, you, you go to 2-0 and, and, and then uh, and then you get ready for, uh, for a rivalry game uh, the following week. But you can't look past... Uh, anybody because this one counts in the conference and and those cross-division games are going to be big in a balanced Big Ten West this year. Hey America, did you miss my hot breath in your ear? So the Hawkeyes are going to be victorious here in their season opener, first time ever under the lights, the season opener at Kinnick Stadium. Kirk Ferentz, this will be his sixth straight victorious season opener. He'll be now 18-1 in season opener since 2001. And another victory for Kirk Ferentz, 165th overall. Final score here in Iowa, 38-14. Our thanks again to FS1 for the Iowa-Miami game highlights, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are now available and can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com, one passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.